Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour History. This week on Wednesday is actually Bastille Day, which is always celebrated on July 14th. So I thought I would explain what that is and why that time in French history is important and connected to American history. So Bastille Day is a national celebration in France that commemorates the storming of the Bastille, which was a fortress and prison, on July 14th, 1789, during what we now know as part of the time period of the French Revolution. France, during their aristocracy, during their aristocratic rule, and under, under the direct rule of Louis Sixteenth, some of you know about his wife, Marie Antoinette, was in a three-class system, and each of them was the estate. So there was the first estate, second estate, and the third estate. The overwhelming majority of French citizens, and I mean close to 95% or more, were in the third estate, as they were not clergy or nobility. And so, as such, they didn't have title claims to lands and vast amounts of money that they could use for their personal pleasure and pursuits. Hey, I love alliteration. All right, so... Louis XVI had agreed to help finance the American Revolution in the decades prior in the 1770s, but that only furthered the financial strain on the French people because they were having their taxes raised, and of course that was overwhelmingly affecting the Third Estate. Um, as a result of that you know, money that was being sent to the Americans, and also because the aristocracy was spending a lot of money. So that's one of our connections um, here in the U.S., like our history to French history. America did get an ally as a result of this because, you know, they're helping us fund our liberation movement against England. But Louis and his family ended up being beheaded. and The succession monarchy was abolished. When things really started to happen, the finance minister was Jacques Necker, and he was seen as an ally to the Third Estate by the people who were in the Third Estate. So there were quite a few people of interest at this time, and I'll mention them as they come up. So Necker was fired by Louis XVI on July 11th, and the working class of the Third Estate took that as an insult and a threat to their demands not being taken seriously. There was a lot of inflation going on at the time, and people couldn't even afford to buy bread, which was a staple of their diet. People were starving, and it felt like their leader, right, the king, was not listening to them. And the people who they felt were listening to them, who had a voice, who, excuse me, who had the king's ear, were being fired. So simply, they felt like they were being blamed for their own poverty and oppression. And that should sound familiar, but I'm not going to talk about that today. The storming of the Bastille was also to store up on arms and ammunition for the Third Estate, as the rioting was meant to continue after the dismissal of Necker and the continued disregard by their king. So following the storming of the Bastille on August 26th, the Declaration of Rights of Man, excuse me, I always get it confused. The Declaration of the Rights of Man and the Citizen was published and meant to guarantee basic human civil rights. Funny enough, um, another tie into American history, Thomas Jefferson was the U.S. ambassador to France at the time. So he, his two daughters, and his dead wife's half-black illegitimate sister, who he made his baby mama, whose name is was Sarah Sally Hemings, more commonly known as Sally Hemings, were also there at the height of the revolution before they were forced to come back to America. The document, the Declaration, 
did not, however, abolish slavery, especially in the French colonies in the Americas. So their biggest colony being Saint-Domingue, which is now known as Haiti, that was their crown jewel. So they recognize that even though they're advocating for basic human rights, they can't stop the flow of money that's coming in from the Caribbean, from their colonies overseas, because that is what's helping fuel the systems that are going to, you know, put them to give them these rights that they want, right? To be able to fund the access that they want to have in their own country. Some other notable figures from the era were Maximilien Robespierre, who was partly responsible for ushering in the reign of terror and that part of the revolution. There's also Georges Danton was another leader who was credited with the overthrow of the monarchy and Charlotte Corday, who's the woman who killed Jean-Paul Marat, who ran a newspaper where he would list people who he believed or who people, people who he was told were traitors. And then those people would, their names would be published and they would swiftly be guillotined. So you can see why it was called the reign of terror for that time period. If you're interested in French history of this era, I highly recommend it. I don't usually do this, right? Cause I usually, you know, I have issues with this, but with the channel, but I highly recommend the History Channel's documentary on the French Revolution. I know iTunes used to have it. It might be available on YouTube. But um, it was done before they sold their soul to aliens and pawnbrokers. So it's a really solid documentary. It's got a lot of great historians talking about it, you know, French historians and American historians of France. Um, You know, side story, I was at UCLA for like a two-day conference, and... I saw Lynn Hunt, who was there, and, you know, I had, like, a complete nerd moment. I wasn't, like, I couldn't muster up the courage to, like, say hello <laughs> to tell her that I love her work, but um, she's in the documentary as well. So back to Bastille Day, it was celebrated around the world, or it is celebrated around the world, in places that were formerly French-occupied, um, but be it territories or just areas that have, like, you know, um French enthusiasts, French enthusiasts and their population in French Polynesia, which of course the name of the country is a dead giveaway, right? That had been a territory of France. So the French allowed their subjects there to participate in sporting games and competitions as part of Bastille Day. There's some cities in the U.S. that have celebrations for the day. I think it's a little odd personally, but I mean, I guess I could kind of understand if it was a town that there were a lot of leftover French after the French sold the Louisiana Territory, which was most of the Midwest, to the American government, that I could see why they would have that connection to France in that way. Pondicherry, which I saw online, um, is in India, and it was a formerly French-occupied territory or city. So there's a lot of celebrations that are there. The legacy of the of Bastille Day is important because it was the start of a new France, the abolishment of the monarchy, and a goodbye to the old ways that were a part of that. So despite the alliances politically that France held with other European nations, because as we know, you know, these European monarchs had been intermarrying for, you know, a long time and they had, you know, allies with each other or alliances with each other, the monarchy was never reestablished after the revolution was ceased. So what I think is interesting is that the poor realized in the third estate, right, that their numbers alone could topple the systems. Like I said, they were more than 95% of the population who were a part of that estate. So they realized that their numbers could topple the system that kept them subjugated and increasingly unable to feed their families. So that's it for this episode. I wanted to keep it short and sweet since it's summer, (laughs) but I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.